one chapter four of clara vaughan volume one this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by lynn thompson clara vaughan volume one by r d blackmore book one chapter four my life, childhood I can scarcely call it, went quietly for several years. The eastern wing of the house was left unused, and rarely traversed by any but myself. Foolish tales, of course, were told about it, but my frequent visits found nothing to confirm them. At night, whenever I could slip from the care of good but matter-of-fact Anne Maples, I used to wander down the long corridor, and squeezed through the iron gate now set there, half in hope and half in fear, of meeting my father's spirit. For such an occasion all my questions were prepared, and all the answers canvassed. My infant mind was struggling ever to pierce the mystery which so vaguely led its life. Years only quickened my resolve to be the due avenger, and hardened the set resolve into a faithless conviction. My mother, always full of religious feeling, taught me daily in the scriptures, and tried to make me pray, but I could not take the mild teachings of the gospel as a little child. To me the Psalms of David and those books of the Old Testament which recount and seem to applaud revenge were sweeter than all the balm of Gilead. They supplied a terse and vigorous form to my perpetual yearnings. With a child's impiety, I claimed for myself the mission of the Jews against the enemies of the Lord. The forms of prayer which my mother taught me, I mumbled through while looking at her gentle face with anything but a prayerful gaze. For my own bedside, I kept a widely different form, which even now I shudder to repeat. And yet I loved dear mother truly, and pitied her sometimes with tears. But the shadow love was far the deeper. My father's grave was in the churchyard of the little village which clustered and nestled beyond our lodge. It was a real grave. The thought of lying in a vault had always been loathsome to him, and he said that it struck him cold. So fond was he of air and light and freedom, the change of seasons and weather, and the shifting of the sun and stars, that he used to pray that they still might pass over his buried head, that he might lie not in the dark lockers of death, but in the open hand of time. His friends used to think it strange that a man of so light and festive nature could ever talk of death, yet so he often did, not morbidly, but with good cheer. In pursuance, therefore, of his well-known wish, the vaults wherein there lay five centuries of worn dust were not open for him. Neither was his grave built over with a hideous ash-bin, but lay narrow, fair, and humble with a plain low headstone, of the whitest marble, bearing his initials deeply carved in grey. Through our warm love and pity, and that of all the village, and not in mere compliance with an old usage of the western counties, his simple bed was ever green and white, with the fairest of low flowers. Though otherwise too moody and reckless to be a gardener, I loved to rear from seed his favourite plants, and keep them in my room until they blossomed. Then I would set them carefully along his grave and lie down beside it, and wonder whether his spirit took pleasure in them. But more often, it must be owned, I laid a darker tribute there. 
the gloomy channel into which my young mind had been forced was overhung as might be expected by a sombre growth the legends of midnight spirits and the tales of blackest crime shed their poison on me from the dust of the library i exhumed all records of the most famous atrocities and devoured them at my father's grave as yet i was too young to know what grief i would cause to him who slept there could he but learn what his only child was doing that knowledge would at once have checked me for his presence was ever with me and his memory cast my thoughts as moonlight shapes the shadows the view from the churchyard was a lovely english scene what higher praise can i give than this long time a wanderer in foreign parts nothing have i seen that comes from nature to the heart like a true english landscape the little church stood back on a quiet hill which bent its wings in a gentle curve to shelter it from the north and the east these bending wings were feathered soft as down with larches hawthorn and the lightly pencilled birch between which here and there the bluff rocks stood their ground southward and beyond the glen how fair a spread of waving country we could see to the left our pretty lake all clear and calm gave back the survey of the trees until a bold knoll fringed with alders led it out of sight far away upon the right the severn stole along its silver road leaving many a reach and bend which caught towards eventide the notice of the travelled sun upon the horizon might be seen at times the blue distance of the brecon hills often when i sat here all alone and the evening dusk came on although i held those volumes on my lap i could not but forget the murders and revenge of men the motive form and evidence of crime and nurse a vague desire to dream my life away sometimes also my mother would come here to read her favourite gospel of st john then i would lay the dark records on the turf and sit with my injury hot upon me wondering at her peaceful face while for her sake i rejoiced to see the tears of comfort and contentment dawning in her eyes i never grieved that the soft chastenment was not shed on me for her i loved and admired it for myself i scorned it utterly the same clear sunshine was upon us both we both were looking on the same fair scene the gold of ripening corn the emerald of woods and pastures the crystal of the lake and stream above us both the peaceful heaven was shed and the late distress was but a night gone by wherefore had it left to one the dew of life to the other a thunderbolt i knew not the reason then but now i know it well although my favourite style of literature was not likely to improve the mind or yield that honeyed melancholy which some ladies woo to me it did but little harm my will was so bent upon one object and the whole substance and shape of my thoughts so staunch in their sole ductility thereto that other things went idly by me if they showed no power to promote my end but upon palpable life and the doings of nature i became observant beyond my age things in growth or motion round me impressed themselves on my senses as if a nerve were touched the uncoiling of a fern frond the shrinking of a bindweed blossom the escape of a cap-pinched bud the projection of a seed or the sparks from a fading tuberose in short the lighter prints of nature's sandalled foot were traced and counted by me not that i derived a maiden pleasure from them as happy persons do but that it seemed my business narrowly to heed them as for the proud phenomena of imperial man 
So far as they yet survived the crucible of convention, the lines were cunning crouches, the smile that is but a brain flash, the veil let down across the wide mouth of greed, the guilt they tried to make volatile in charity, all these I was not old or poor enough to learn. Yet I marked unconsciously the traits of individuals, the mannerisms, the gesture, and the mode of speech, the complex motive, and the underflow of thought. So all I did, and all I dreamed, had one colour and one aim. My education, it is just to say, was neglected by no one but myself. My father's love of air and heaven had descended to me, and nothing but my mother's prayers or my own dark quest could keep me in the house. Abstract principles and skeleton dogmas I could never grasp, but whatever was vivid and shrewd and native, whatever had point and purpose, was seized by me and made my own. My faculties were not large, but steadfast now and concentrated. Though several masters tried their best, and my governess did all she could, I chose to learn but little. Drawing and music, to soothe my mother, were my principal studies. Of poetry I took no heed, except in the fierce old drama. Enough of this. I have said so much, not for my sake, but for my story. End of chapter 4